Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Lee Cantor here with another uh, episode of Atlanta Business Radio, and this is a very special one because it is Tuesdays with Corey, with my co-host, Mr. Corey Rick, the founder of the Long-Term Care Planning Group. Welcome, Corey. Uh, thank you very much, Lee. Now, uh, for this is kind of a new series, so why don't we recap, like, what, what was your vision of this? What were you trying to do? Well, what we're doing is we're uh, having successful female executives on the show. We're telling their story and, and, and telling the contributions they're making to their industries and their communities, Lee. And then uh, last week, we had our, our inaugural episode, and it was a great success with a lot of interesting stories. Uh, did you get any feedback from them? We did. We had a lot of positive feedback. We have a lot of people that want to do the show, so everything is extremely positive. And uh, once again, you got a full house here? We do. Yes, we're pleased to have uh, three executives here. Cheryl Cherico, who is one of the foremost top healthcare IT consultants. She owns and operates a company called Tier 3 MD. Cheryl, welcome. Thanks for having me. And also we have Becky Snyder, who is the general manager of the Mizuno Experience in the Battery. Becky, welcome. Thank you. And we have Kristen Hughes, who is the office manager, business development expert, and uh, HR person at Marshall Jones, a local CPA firm. Welcome, Kristen. Thanks, Corey. And uh, who are you going to lead off with? We're going to lead off with Cheryl. And uh, Cheryl, your, your organization, Tier 3 MD, tell us a little bit about that and, and what you do for your clients. Well, we started in 2005. Uh, I used to be the IT director for the largest cardiology group in the Southeast. And you could see the trend going towards the electronic medical records. Uh, the problem was people didn't have really stable IT yet. They didn't need it when they had paper charts. But once you went to electronic records, you know, everybody started to be concerned about the IT and the stability and the bandwidth. And as it's progressed, the industry, uh, there's always an issue to protect the network. And right now, as you probably know, what's on the forefront is cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. um, just about three years ago, there was... Uh, some research done that said that the healthcare industry was 10 years behind the banking industry. Hackers weren't really that interested in, you know, the healthcare field. They didn't even know about it. Well, you know, fast forward to today, and a healthcare record is worth five times more than any other record on the dark web. Why is that, Cheryl? Well, because drug seekers, uh, people that don't have health insurance, uh, let's say you have a knee problem and someone can buy your health record and get their knee surgery just posing as you. No kidding. No kidding. You'd be shocked what, they, what information and what they can do with that. They can get um, Oxycontin, Hydrocodone, any of those things with your healthcare record. And your organization really helps sort of pr uh, protect your clients from being put in that position. Is that right? We do as best as we can. Yeah. Um, most of the data breaches are human error. Well, besides a lost or stolen laptop, which, you know, that's going to happen. But uh, we provide antivirus, anti-spyware, crypto prevent, web filtering. We do everything we can do on our part. The only thing that we can't stop is from a user clicking on a pop-up window. You'd mentioned that, you know, some of the data breaches are related to human error. What, what, what sort of errors uh, are you talking about? Opening attachments from untrusty, untrusted sort, uh, sources, um, clicking on things you shouldn't be clicking on, uh, web surfing on various websites. But another breach is posting, social media. 
can't post a picture of your office with a patient in it, can't post uh, what happened today at your office. You know, my ex-boyfriend came in today, can't post things like that. Um, Social media is huge. So I would imagine that there's a component of your company that involves training for your clients to kind of keep them sort of between the posts, metaphorically speaking, and making sure that they don't make these errors to put them in that position. Is that right? Well, we do do training. It's HIPAA training, and it is required by the HIPAA laws. Um, You train new employees when they come in, and I I train my employees, and then you train once a year. And, you know, it's it's difficult because HIPAA doesn't change. It hasn't changed since since 2003. Um, It came out in 1996. So the training is getting to be somewhat redundant. So what I try to do is I try to add in some of the breaches that have occurred to make it a little bit more interesting. But the rules have not changed. Sanction policies, workstation policies, termination, all of those things that you need to do for HIPAA have not changed at all. For the listenership out there, Cheryl, that may not be familiar with HIPAA, could you maybe walk us through what that is? Well, it's the Health Information Portability Act. And it's really designed to help protect electronic medical records. Like I said, it came out in 1996, but when uh, the Recovery Act came in, it started to to be a little bit more at the forefront because um, when the government started giving incentives to meaningful users for EMRs, they had to define what a meaningful user was. Well, they defined what it was. You had to meet 15 core measures, but nobody was really enforcing it. So the OCR and the HHS and the OIG decided, well, we have egg on our face because here we have all these rules and we're not enforcing them. And that's when they started with the HIPAA audits. And, you know, they, they started with, of course, you know, the, the anthems and the hospitals and things like that. But now they're actually auditing small practices. And for Tier 3 MD, we do the HIPAA security assessments. And it's required that you show that you could protect your uh, patient data. So I have gotten more calls from people that said, you know what, we're being audited and we never did a security assessment. I'm sorry, but I can't, I will not backdate. I mean, no one would. Um, So we encourage, uh, I do them mostly for my clients, um, but we encourage everyone out there to get a HIPAA security assessment. They're not expensive. Uh, people are afraid to get them. They're afraid that they're going to say, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go out and spend, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on my network. That is not true. All you need to do is put in, you, you know, a good set of policies and procedures, maybe some locks, maybe document more um, and things like that. But HIPAA is nothing to be afraid of. I think HIPAA is best practices. Even if you're not medical, you should do a security assessment. Yeah, all things that you can support your clientele with, uh, with these matters related to security and keeping the records, uh, you know, out of the hands of the people that are trying to get them. And to have disaster recovery programs. Yeah. Um, As a matter of fact, um, this past week, I was on vacation with a friend who works in a dental office. Yeah, I must have been away from the phone when it rang, because I know you called me to invite me on that. That's right. Yeah, I did. (laughs) I wanted you on vacation with the girls. (laughs) Um, She works at a small dental office, and she said... Yeah, the practice is doing really bad financially. And I said, why? Well, you know, about six months ago, we lost all of our data. Well, I'm like, and, you, <laughs> and you're my friend? What do you mean you lost all your data? They had a crypto virus and they didn't have a backup. <sighs> they did not have a backup and they didn't know they had a backup, didn't have a backup. They left it in the hands of the, I'm going to use some air quotes, IT guy. 
And they thought it was like being backed up to like sure. a hard drive, like a that you would buy at Costco. They just assumed <laughs> they just assumed that it was being taken care of by the IT guy. Um, but you know, it, part of your HIPAA policies is that you have to document how you're doing your backups and how often you test your backups because what do you think you find out you don't have a good backup when you need it exactly so how is that an unusual thing i mean or is that more common than you would think to not people, have a backup right it's way more common than you think really way more that way is more. frightening mm-hmm. what yeah. seems now uh would it be fair to say that having an it strategy is is almost a, a, an important part of any business uh, i would take out the word almost I mean, I think it's imperative. If you don't have an IT strategy, you shouldn't have a computer. I mean, you have important data on your computers, on your servers. And, you know, if you have important records and sensitive records, employee information, social security numbers, addresses, date of births, you better protect it. You need to protect it. Do you have any uh, advice uh, for folks that maybe aren't in uh, the medical industry about how they might best protect their data? Or could you help those folks Uh, with your expertise? We can. We're opening a second division. It's called Pro Triad, and we'll be doing that probably after the first of the year. And and Um, what is the direction of that company, Cheryl? Non-medical. Okay. And I am just a part owner of it. I just needed a sister company to... uh, you know, to help these other uh, businesses, but our focus is just medical. My focus is just medical. But the best thing that, that people can do is get an assessment, get an IT consultant to come in. Most, most of the time, they'll do it for free, and they'll just look at your network and give you a plan. If you want to go with them, great. If you don't, well, that's the risk we take by going out there and assessing for free. You know, I'll go out there. I have tools that I run. I'll scan everything. I'll make sure every system has antivirus, anti-spyware. I'll do uh, an external vulnerability scan on your firewall. Um, and, we'll, and we'll talk and we'll see what's going on. And I'll do all of that for free. And then if, you know, if I find something, which if you don't have IT support right now, I'm going to find something mm-hmm. and you want us to fix it, we will happily do that. What gave you the impetus to start your company? You know, you have all this experience. Uh, you know, you were the IT person for the, the cardiology group here in town. When did you get the urge to say, hey, I, I've got to do this myself? Never had the urge. I was always afraid, like everyone else, of going out on their own and starting their own business. It kind of fell in my lap. I, you know, everybody says, oh, wow, I'm, I'm so proud of you. You're so successful. And, and my answer is, I got a lot of help and a lot of lucky breaks along the way. Um, the cardiology group kept me on as a consultant. Sure. So I didn't even risk losing my income when I started my job. And then it just grew from there. I grew to about 150 clients um, since 2005, um, which is really, a, it, it's a pretty good amount. I'd like to have more, but I think it's a pretty good, and I, when I say clients, I mean active monthly recurring yeah, we have an clients. old saying. We yeah. have an old saying at the long-term care planning group. We have room for one more client. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have room for plenty, yeah. um, but that's pretty good. I mean, they're active clients that we work with each month, um, and I have a you know, it's it's a nice business because I scale up and scale down. Yeah, you've yeah. certainly done a lot of uh, mm-hmm. things very very well. And, and looking at your bio, you have a lot of certifications. Mm-hmm. Why is that important for what you do? 
well, without dating myself, <laughs> what, um, you're, there really you're, you're wasn't. 20, you're, you're, you're more than 25? You told them. Uh, and, Secrets out. You know, back when I was doing this, there was not, I, I mean, I went to college for social work. There was not a degree in managed service provider. So the best way, I did go back to school to get Microsoft certifications, and those were nighttime classes. And then I've gotten HIPAA certifications and things like that. But there really was no degree for technical support. Um, there's there's exams that are given by CompTIA, Microsoft, you know, there's security exams. So when I get a resume from someone, I look for two things. I look for certifications because that's really a commitment to the industry. And that's really all you can get that shows me that you're IT support. And I look for uh, longevity in your job and hands-on experience. You can't, you cannot replace the hands-on experience in this field. You can't. You know, when, when I came to Georgia in uh, 1998, everyone had an MCSE, which are eight exams from Microsoft. That's the top engineer exam. And they couldn't load a server. They, they had no idea how to do So they had book knowledge, but they didn't have Exactly. The... Exactly. I'd rather hire someone that's got 10 years of Microsoft experience and, and no book knowledge. Uh-huh. It's hands-on. Now, can you share a little bit? You mentioned that you went from having a job for somebody and then going out on your own where that person that was your employer became your first client. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were nervous about it. There was apprehension about that kind of transition. For any advice for people out there that when that occurs, how to, to create that opportunity for yourself and then how to take that opportunity and leverage it and grow it. I mean, you must have been doing great work to get referrals and some inbound, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Well, and they needed me. Right. I mean, I, you know, they couldn't really afford for me to leave. And I didn't want to leave. I right. loved that job. I mean, I, I never wanted to leave. Um, but they trusted me. Mm-hmm. And so they, and really, the best way to do that is to convince them that they're going to get more for their money, which mm-hmm. they did. I said, right now you have me. You know, if I get a couple more clients, I'm going to get a staff. Right. Now you've got two people supporting your practice. Now you, Then they had four people supporting their practice. So as I grew, the support for, for the practice grew. And so it really was a win-win for everybody. And then you were able to negotiate that with the people at the practice. And then from that, how did people know that you existed, that you were available for work? And, and- well, I was in... Uh, uh, a medical building, so word of mouth, and then we eventually had some brochures made up and business cards, right. and um, I started doing trade shows. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because every medical society has a trade show, OBGYN show, Georgia Academy of Family Physicians have so a trade show. So you had a show. booth where you were yes. kind of displaying your wares mm-hmm. and letting people know what you did, right? And back back when I started, we would close ninety percent of the deals because I didn't have a lot of competition. Uh-huh. Now, whenever I send a proposal, they have three or four more that they're looking at. So when when I started doing this, I was really the only one that was doing outsourced medical IT. They still had in-house people. Mm-hmm. and But now, most of the practices have an outsourced IT. Cheryl, you have such a great history and clientele, and you've had so much success. How How do you continue to differentiate yourself from others that would like to compete against you? Well, uh, two things. One is I stick with my niche. I stick with medical only. Um, and the second thing is, is I really focus on the pain point of every practice, which is security. I mean, I make my living maintaining computers, but I have a whole 
part of my company that is security. And I think that's what draws people to us Mm -hmm. is I know how to protect your medical practice. And that's important to them. If our listenership wanted to get in touch with you, Cheryl, what would they do? How would they call you or email you? Uh, They would call me at uh, 855-698-4373, which is actually 855-MY-TIER-3, T-I-E-R and the number three. And our website is www.tier3md.com. And you mentioned that you have a free consult or you yeah. do an we'll come assessment. out and run some scan tools and tell you what you have tell you what you need mm-hmm. to get where you need to be now is most of your clients that first conversation happen after a crisis or something or is some of it preventative whenever i sit with a practice manager they can tell me that they love their it which they've mm-hmm. told me right there's a pain point something hurts there's mm-hmm. some reason why they've allowed me to sit there with them right so usually they call when they're when they're in some something kind of pain happened. right yes. Mm-hmm. Well, Cheryl, thank you for being on the show. Continued success. Uh, we appreciate your contributions to the IT industry and for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. All right. Our next guest is Becky Snyder. And Becky is the general manager of the Mizuno Experience Center in the Battery. Becky, tell us about that. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, the Mizuno Experience Center is the first ever experience center for uh, Mizuno USA. Uh, And we built this and opened it uh, April 14th in conjunction with the grand opening of SunTrust Stadium in the Atlanta Braves. Uh, But the whole point of what Mizuno wanted to accomplish with this experience center was brand awareness and a way that our customers could come and uh, get to know our brand because we have such a rich history of innovation and craftsmanship. And this is just a premium way to present the brand to the community and for people to um, purchase our product as well. Well, I've actually visited the uh, Experience Center, and to me, it's it's always interesting because you can get a lot of things custom, uh, you know, fitted for you, like golf clubs uh, and baseball bats and so on. Why is that important to the brand? Well, um, as you and I were talking a little bit uh, about the Mizuno brand, and I, I kind of express uh, that we are a sleeper brand. That means... Uh, you don't, it's not on the first and foremost tip of everybody's tongue when you think about uh, sporting goods, unless you've played and used our product. Mizuno is over 110 years old. It's been in the United States for about 35 years. You know, we originated in Japan. So when you think about playing your sport, the, the most important thing is to be put into the right gear so that it enhances your natural ability. So at the Experience Center, we have um, created these simulation areas within our store. When you first walk in, we're hoping that you see and feel a very premium brand, which we are. You you see our uh, golf simulator. Our golf simulator is um, built with the About Golf simulation. So we have 60 golf courses that you can enjoy across the country. But In that area, we also have our patented technology that we present, which is called the PFS system, Performance Fitting System, where in three swings, we collect enough data to put you in the right shaft. So we cannot guarantee that we're going to make you shoot that that golf ball Mm -hmm. straight and down uh, on the course. You'd be very popular if you were able to do that, (laughs) as an aside. That's a good trick. You can work on that. (laughs) (laughs) But we can enhance your swing which enhances your 
natural ability to play better. So that's why um, our golf clubs are so well known. And it's, it's a, an extremely well-engineered uh, product. So we can take that data and then we uh, actually email it over to our Brazelton warehouse where we custom make your golf clubs in 24 to 48 hours and ship them out to you. No kidding, 24 to 48 hours. I remember one of your spokespeople for golf is Nick Faldo. Yes. And when he won the Masters in 1996, I want to say that that was the year that Mizuno came out with the T-Zoid driver. I think and you're right. I'd be willing to bet that the drivers flew off the shelf for the Tezoid after he won the Masters in 96 when he beat Norman. Well, absolutely. Nick Faldo has been such a great ambassador of our brand. But anytime someone like a Nick Faldo wins the Masters and they're swinging a cl our clubs, it, it's, it's a wonderful advertisement <laughs> for Mizuno. As an aside, do you have any interaction with any of the athletes that, uh, you know, that, that are br helping brand Mizuno like Nick Faldo? Well, Nick Faldo was here at the grand opening on April 15th. We opened on April 14th, but he was here for about three hours in the store. And he is an absolute delight. You know, my office is right across the street there, right? <laughs> well, I just want to make, make sure. I just want to make sure you remember that. <laughs> Next time, Corey, a personal invitation. Uh, but we, we we're blessed with a lot of athletes that come to SunTrust and, and the battery. And it's just been so much fun, you know, meeting Chipper Jones. Uh, he's a great ambassador of the Mizuno brand and somebody is such a well-known uh, person in our, our industry as well as in the community. Uh, so when he was here signing autographs, we actually got him in our uh, batting simulator. So we are the first. Well, in the was area. he able to hit any balls? How did he do? Actually, you know, his <laughs> wife was really the one that teased him into it. Uh, she came for the autograph as well, you know, while he was there signing autographs. And she said, Chipper, aren't you going to get into the uh, the batting cage there? And he goes, well, I wasn't thinking I was. And she goes, well, I am. And if I am, you will. And it was really interesting to see that. And, of course, everybody loves seeing Chipper right. hit, hit the ball. Um, but we have an offer there as well. Um, the Mizuno brand has a patented technology, which is called BIOS, which is the Bat Interaction uh, interactive optimization system, long mouthful there. So we call it BIOS. And here we can actually, in 10 swings, uh, collect the data to teach that young person or high school player what is the right length and weight that's going to optimize their swing speed. So we offer that at no charge um, uh, at our Mizuno Experience Center. I had no idea baseball got that technical. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at the price of a bat now, you know, the, the technology that goes into the bat and uh, the competition. When I first opened um, my sporting goods store back in 2001, there were three bat manufacturers. There must be seven or eight bat manufacturers right now in the aluminum bat arena. Um, technology is huge in uh, an athlete's performance. It is. Now, you mentioned that you had your own sporting goods store. Walk us through that and tell us about that if you would. Well, I'm a, just an old-fashioned entrepreneur. Uh, I, in 1999, when my youngest son started middle school, I decided that I wanted to investigate starting my own business. My husband was traveling a lot, and I didn't really want to have um, a place I had to go to every single day. So, you know, I thought, well, I'll start my own business. And I read Entrepreneur Magazine and said, you need to look in the community and find out what is missing. I've always been athletically orient, oriented myself. My kids were uh, blessed with some athleticism. 
Um, and so were you, right? You played sports growing up. I did. I did. I was uh, a bit of a tomboy myself and uh, swam and played tennis in high school. Um, so I, I, I endeavored this thought of my passion of uh, getting kids into uh, athletics. And uh, we, we, we didn't have anything on the east side of 400. I lived in Alpharetta at the time. So um, I partnered up with a friend of mine who owned a business at North Point Mall called Fanfare. Uh, back in 1999, and he was open with Majestic Athletics, and that's what I wanted to first get open for uh, the two-button Major League replicas. I had just rotated off the board with OC Park, and I won that bid for OC Park that next year, and I had the advantage of after volunteering all my time as a mom uh, and a team mom to kind of know what I thought should be done better. So I took what I thought was right, and made it better. And I had just delivered uh, all the uniforms early, uh, pre-bagged by team, and made it very easy on the the coach and the team mom. And I'm walking back to the car, and of course, you know, typical entrepreneur, we were up all night finishing everything, and my husband, being so helpful as he was, uh, was sitting in the car, and I met a coach on the way back to the car. And he says, hey, Becky, you did a great job. And I said, well, thank you. Thank you very much. And he said, do you do custom softball uniforms? Well, I read in my magazine, never say no, but that is my tendency <laughs> as well. And I said, of course I do. Happy to help you. So I get in the car, my husband says, and when did you start doing that? I said, as of right now. <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, so that's how it all got started. And I opened my first store in uh, 2001 of August uh, at really the prompting of my oldest son, because people were shopping our home. They were knocking on a door, and I said, I understand you have batting gloves and flying shorts and helmets, and, and I did, And but I knew what they needed. I was a mom. I knew what I bought right, for my exactly. sons, and I wanted to do better, and it became a hit, and what, what was so neat, I was able to, as I grew my business, I was able to hire the local high school athletes, and and they are such great assets to our communities, and it was so much fun teaching them how to work you know, and how to apply their knowledge of the, of the sports. So that's, that's how I got all started. And Mizuno was one of the brands that opened me up. Oh, and so then they recruited you to work yeah, with them? Exactly. I had um, been a great brand ambassador for Mizuno for almost 16 years. And then at, at the time when the retail landscape was changing, we, we chose to close the stores and uh, Mizuno was uh, building their relationship with the Atlanta Braves. And they had just signed uh, their partnership on September 21st of 2016 to be the official gear partner of the Atlanta Braves. And they also decided to open up their first ever Mizuno Experience Center. And I had, I had known the president and other people within the Mizuno here at in Norcross. And I um, contacted them and they contacted me and I interviewed and I got the job. And it was just such a perfect fit for me because I, I love the brand. I know we, we wouldn't have picked up on that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love building businesses. Yeah. I love executing that vision. So it was a perfect. How, how did the experience center vision come about? Was that a collaboration between both of you? No, uh, actually, I was the executor of it. Uh, Mark O'Brien and Bob Puccini and their team. Because um, that's very innovative in retail space to have yes. that kind of a hands on experience, you know, it, like. It's it's really, it's what, where the industry is going. Right. And of course, retail discussion has been in the news quite a bit. And there has and, to be a compelling reason to go to the store. And absolutely. what better compelling reason than to go and play with the toys and get to 
like you said, be on what, 50, 60 golf courses with the actual gear. Right. And it's, it's so smart because when you think about it, this is where retail's going. You're going to narrow down your space, but you got to be more creative and collaborative and engaging. And, and I, I invite everybody to come see and, and let me know, did we accomplish that? And I personally feel like we did, you know, we want to engage you to, to know our product then to learn to love our product so that hopefully you buy it that day. But if you don't, I just want you thinking first and foremost, Mizuno, whenever you need that type of gear. And if you can get the young person experiencing it, getting the perfect fit, then they fall in love with the brand and then they become customers for life. Bingo. Bingo. Because, you know, we have fathers that come in that, you know, they played baseball and they had their first glove and they remember they had a Mizuno glove. We've been around that long. Well, they want their son or daughter to have that same type of glove. And, you know, we can fit you in that glove and then we break it in. We have a steamer and we can break it in. So there's so many neat things that we can do for you. Well, I think about, you know, Wayne Gretzky is, is widely acknowledged as the greatest hockey player ever. And, you know, when I ask people, why, why is that? A lot of them will say, well, you know, he never got hurt. He had other good players around him. He was in good shape. And, and when you ask the players, what they'll say is, well, Wayne Gretzky always went where the puck was going. The rest of us went where it was. Mm -hmm. And I think about, that's a good analogy for Mizuno. You think about how granular athletics has become, you know, the equipment, the shirts, you know, steaming a baseball glove, getting your golf clubs custom. You think about locating where they did next to SunTrust Park. That's genius on their part. Well, I, I agree. Um, Mark O'Brien and Bob Pacini and Mike Pacini, these are people that had the vision uh, of, of where their brand needed to go. Um, and I, what a great opportunity because, you know, the Braves have done a fantastic job. You know, they picked an incredible location and now they have built a beautiful park. Yeah. It's first class. It's, it's clean. It's safe. Uh, it's really fun. I, I tell my husband, I, I, I park every day in the red deck and I walk out and I look at what I have to be around. And it is pretty inspiring and exciting. They have done a tremendous job, the Braves had, and everybody else around there. Um, certainly, they have, Mizuno has the right person running the Experience Center. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, Becky, how would they go about doing that? And if they wanted to visit the center, walk us through what we, we would need to do, know to do that. Well, you know, depending on where you live, um, it's right uh, at 285 and 75 intersection, uh, you know, Cobb Parkway, Circle 75. Um, but to reach myself, I'm pretty much there uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, the, the store number is 770-675-6590. And my email is becky.snyder, S-N-I-D-E-R, at MizunoUSA.com. We would love for you to come in. We're open 10, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., pretty much seven days a week. So can't miss us. Well, Becky, thank you for being on the show. Again, Mizuno has the right person running the Experience Center. We appreciate the opportunity to have you on the show today. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate right. it very much. Next, thank you very much. Uh, next, we have Kristen Hughes. Uh, Kristen is uh, the office manager, the HR person, and the business development machine of Marshall Jones. Kristen, welcome. Thank you. You 
have had a, a very, very strong impact on Marshall Jones since you were hired in August of 2016. Walk us through what has happened in the timeline and what you were hired for and what you're actually doing now. Well, surprisingly, I was actually <laughs> hired to be their receptionist. And after getting in there and having lunch with our owner, Charlie, just a few times, I kept asking him, what are you doing for marketing? What are you doing out there? You know, what's up with the website? I'm not sure if I agree with all this stuff. And he said, well, what would you do? And I said, well, let me think about it. And I went home and wrote up probably 10 pages worth of things that I think we need to do. And he read them over and he said, go do it. So I did. You know, you've had a significant impact on uh, the marketing. Also, you know, you've done some things with, uh, with, you know, making sure you're being paid in a timely fashion. What can you tell us about what you did there? Well, in regards to payments, I would definitely say that Marshall Jones is a CPA firm that has been around for 33 years with the same owners. Um, unfortunately, one of the owners died about seven or eight years ago, but Charlie has been there Monday through Saturday since the start of the business. And unfortunately, a lot of the processes had also been there with the start of the business. So one of the big things that I did was changed everything, made it more accessible so that people are have the opportunity to pay opportunity to pay when they receive their services. So that also gets away from a lot of people don't write checks anymore. So we have to make sure that we have everything available that if you want to pay right now, it's available to pay right now. So that was a big part of that. Well, you were able to help uh, them move at the speed of business. Excellent, excellent firm. They've been around for a long time. Charlie's been uh, very, very successful. You have a counseling degree. I do. I how do how does that how does that come into how does that play into what you're doing now and the roles you're playing for the firm? So, a big part of working for a CPA firm and not being a CPA is to as especially in a business development standpoint is my biggest thing has been to create everybody to be business developers. And a lot of times they don't see the assets that they have. So I have to coach it out of them, help them realize what they're good at, empower them and then reward them. But counseling, talking, being someone that people can come talk to in the office has been been pretty tremendous. Has that been, uh, you know, rewarding for you to see of someone that isn't necessarily inclined to do business development, and then you're there and you're helping them and you see the light come on. I mean, walk us through that. I would probably say a couple of weeks ago, we also have remote employees. So we have one of our employees out in Maryland and business development has been a tough area for her. And she called me about two weeks ago and she said, Hey, I'm not going to be in the office Monday morning. Um, I have a meeting. And I said, oh, who's your meeting with? And she said she was going to meet this lady and she just saw the opportunity online and started talking with her. And now she has a meeting to talk about how we can help her with services. And uh, for me, that was like finding out that your kid just got accepted mm-hmm. to Harvard. <laughs> it was the best feeling ever. Yeah, I felt like I had succeeded. So that's been really, really awesome. And we've also seen the growth of our business by not having one person do business development. We have everyone doing business development and making an emphasis on it. So that's been been really good for the business. Yeah, many hands make the work light. That's uh, right. Because you're charged with so many roles, do you find it difficult to allocate the proper amount of time to each role that you have with the firm? Yes. How do you do it? I just do it. I just have to. That was a big part of 
when people are relying on you to get everything done, you have to find a way to get everything done, whether that's asking others for help and having people, you know, especially in a small business, we're all not just doing one thing. So, but asking for help, talking to people and making sure it gets done. I've also been extremely fortunate after not being in Atlanta in Atlanta for very long to have met a lot of powerful people. So I'm not afraid to ask other people for help or advice just to even just get some thoughts on how we could improve. Now you have Marshall Jones has some very specific areas of expertise. Um, they have specific clients that they have developed a, a lot of relationships with. Walk us through that. So again, it's also being a great resource to our clients. Our phones are always ringing and we are always making sure to take those calls. It's really important that people are able to actually talk to their CPA. We're also fortunate that out of the 15 employees that we have, I want to say we have eight CPAs in our firm. So when you think about them, the statistics of that, that's a lot of CPAs for the amount of people that we have in our firm. Um, so we just want to always be sure that we're accessible. We do mostly work with nonprofits and construction and smaller professional service firms. Is there a reason why you have so many clients that are construction and nonprofit? Is that just an area that Charlie gravitated toward or why, why those two? So a lot of the issues that we see with nonprofits and with construction is accounting. Accounting can make or break their businesses. So if we have the skills and the tools and we know when they're going to hit these, these bumps in the road, we can warn them, talk to them, and if they listen, they will do really well. I mean, you have clients that don't listen to you? Not very often. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. So over the course of the last year, you've seen some pretty significant growth at your organization. We have. We what? have. Um, for right now, this year, we have seen around close to 20% in growth. What do you attribute that to? So the biggest thing that we have done is, again, making sure everyone is a part of the business, but also we have just really improved our benefits, focusing on retaining employees, empowering employees. I always say we build them up, we don't break them down. So we want to give them all the tools to be good at their job. It really seems like uh, the firm and knowing Charlie all these years that you have developed a family, which I think is unique in this day and time. Would you agree? I agree. And I think the fact that you spend so much time, you, you as a firm spend so much time with each other. Um, maybe there is that uh, camaraderie, that brotherhood, if you will. And I think, walk us through what you're doing with the benefits. You had mentioned a while back that you want to do some things to retain people, to keep people interested. Tell us what you've done and, 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 and why you're doing it. How did you arrive at that, enhancing the benefit offering for your firm? Well, a big thing when you're pushing for the growth that we wanted to have is we can't do it by ourselves. We all have to do it together and we're only as good as our weakest link. So that was a big thing. But we're also a smaller firm. So we want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity that they would have at bigger firms. Why that you don't want to go to a bigger firm that you want to stay and work with us. So the biggest thing that we started was flex schedules that we always say home is number one. So making it work, whether you have kids or daycare or whatever, you have the flexibility to either be at work or be at home. So that was a big part. But then also we do have a lot of younger people. So we want to make sure everyone has the benefits that if you need help, if you need to get anything done, you have the availabilities to that. So that was also just beefing up our insurance, making sure that, you know, we have, 
as much paid time off as they need, things like that. But what I have seen, you know, you do have a few people that abuse things like that, but for the people that deserve it, it's been monumental. How did you figure out, you know, you mentioned flex schedules. Uh, how did you figure that out? Is, is that an individual thing? Did, did, did you and Charlie set parameters or, you know, is it just kind of a, everybody kind of makes their own schedule and as long as your tasks get completed, everybody's good. How, how does that work? Well, A, we have the outsource accounting firm. That's a big part of Marshall Jones. And with that, we are talking about outsource accounting. So I know that I'm sure Cheryl can understand how that comes in, that we basically do all of your accounting and we're not in your office. But why should our employees have to be in our office if we're promoting the same thing? So we do have two employees that do work in completely different states, Maryland, Pennsylvania, um, we also have a couple employees that are just outside the perimeter and with three kids, it can be tough to make it to work and all of that. So we want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to get their jobs done in a time that works for them. So the flex schedules came from that, but it also it can't be just people come in and leave whenever they want. It has to work for your team. So typically it's agreed upon thing between your teams and then they just have to make sure that me and Charlie are aware as well. So if you had, uh, uh, what, what kind of clients is Marshall Jones looking for? They're looking for more nonprofit clients, they're looking for more construction clients. Uh, are there any other markets you're considering breaking into? I mean, there's a lot of mental horsepower and a lot of talent in that organization. And just wondering if, if, if you're looking at un, any other additional markets. So the biggest thing, it was funny because I was talking to Charlie about this and I said, you know, it's really hard to narrow down our type of clients. And he said, well, you know, we have the nonprofits and we have, we have the construction clients. That's what we like. And we like, you know, we do work with wealthy, highly compensated individuals as well. But I was like, but that's not all we do. We have all these other people too. So a big thing that started when I started working for Marshall Jones is I realized that a lot of our clients are aging as everyone does, but with, it, it does beat the alternative. It does. I mean, it, it happens, but so my biggest focus has been how do we sustain Marshall Jones? We've been in business for 33 years, but what does the next 30 years look like? We cannot have all of our clients that are getting ready to retire. We need to also start focusing on younger people. So the back office accounting has been a great help with that, meeting younger people that are starting businesses and being able to just give them accounting advice and helping them learn that TurboTax is probably not the best way to go about <laughs> doing your taxes, but it does seem really easy and it's right there. Um, so just educating, but yes, so we are trying to focus on younger clients, younger people, younger businesses as well as also still supporting our, the rest of our clients as well. It seems to me, you know, one of the most crucial relationships that anybody has is with their CPA. Would you disagree with that? I would not disagree mm -hmm. with that. I am not a CPA and I have learned so many things that I have been doing wrong. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. You never played one on TV. No. Okay. Never way. Never yeah, gonna very, happen. Very, very crucial relationship. Tell, tell us what you guys are doing in terms of business development and marketing, and how you're getting new new. Tell us what you can tell us about how you're getting your new clients because you've had a lot of growth in the last several years. We have. So one of our biggest growth factors is word of mouth and the outsource accounting. So one of the biggest things that happened when I started in the company was the outsource accounting was a separate arena and they were branding that with a different name. So I wanted to make sure that, you know, Marshall Jones is what people know. 
So we want to make sure that we brand everything as one in-house deal. So that was the first start. But also, again, just empowering our team. So word of mouth, being available, making sure that you are available for your clients when they need it, how they need it. And then also the planning and the forecasting is huge for our clients. We want to make sure that we are doing that before they ever ask for it. Getting out ahead of it. What, um, so you have, um, you've recently moved to Atlanta. You, um, you have a hobby that I found interesting, uh, building, building in, uh, building race cars and so on. Walk us through that. So I was really fortunate. I did not choose that hobby that was chosen for me. I was born into that. My first track experience was when I was two weeks old and took went to the track and got to see my parents race. So that was something that my parents both enjoyed together. And my dad always pushed us to to know your cars, to do your cars, to understand your cars. And it has made me very confident because I know what's going to happen. I can I can see what's going out. But yeah, so I started racing when I was six, um, racing go-karts at that point, shifter karts when I was 12. And then we started with Datsuns when I was 16. A lot of people don't even know what a Datsun is, but... Um, uh, I, I think Lee and I probably do. <laughs> I had the Datsun. Yes. Um, and then I'm also super fortunate that my entire family is a car family. So my uncle, cousin worked for Ford and Roush and so when those Roush Mustangs came out, we were first in line to get a couple of those. And that has just kept us going. And now my dad lives in Charlotte. So I try to make the track up to do whatever is the latest track that he has discovered. So um, I had a chance to do the Atlanta Motor Speedway when you ride along in a race car. Have you ever done that, Corey? No. That... It's a lot of fun. You go three laps. I'm probably too old for that. You're, no, not, you're not too old, too old for old. that. It's, it was... It was a lot of fun. You should check it out. And just so you know, uh, Katie, the producer here, she just interviewed Mario Andretti. That's awesome. I have also met him before <laughs> when I was young. <laughs> so that's uh, a legend in the racing he is a, world, he right? He is a legend. Yes, absolutely. So um, it, do you get to incorporate that in your business? Has that opened up opportunities or that any of that kind of... Um, kind of the learnings of the track, did that translate into business anyway for you? Has. I think a lot of my business knowledge has probably come from my dad and the businesses that he always had that were always geared around racing or car building and things like that. And it's also that mentality of you just have to do it. Just make it happen. You've got to go. You've got to show up every day. And if you give everything 100%, it'll it'll yield itself. But also the biggest thing is a clean car is a happy car. (laughs) That was, I have shine enough tires in my day to know that one. So now, any advice for a young person at an organization, you came into the role that it, it evolved, and it was because of your attitude and your make it happen and, and do the job that's needed. Any advice for that young person that's working somewhere where they think like, oh, I'm a receptionist, but you didn't see yourself as a receptionist. You saw someone who can really help the growth of this company and really impact the culture and the business, and yeah. you thought your role was much bigger in your head, and you were able to find an opportunity to get so what would you tell a young person out there? The first thing is no idea is a bad idea. So you have to tell people when you have ideas and it doesn't always mean that they're going to say, oh, that's a great idea. Let's go ahead and do that now. You have to keep trying, keep coming up with ideas. There's so much for younger people nowadays that you can listen to podcasts mm-hmm. and you can be online and you can be 
you know, now there's entrepreneurship programs at colleges. So you have, there's so much available to you. The sky is the limit. Just keep going. But don't be afraid. Don't a lot be of times afraid. that people hold themselves back, right? Because they put limitations on themselves. Yeah. I have always been very fortunate to have trusted relationships with the people above me. And a lot of that is if you're really good at what you do, they trust you. They'll just say, go, go for it. <laughs> um, so you just want to make sure that before you start another task, be good at the one you're doing right. at that point as well. And um, if somebody wants to learn more, what's the best way to get a hold of you? If they have, if they're in a, like you said, you're a specialist in construction, nonprofits, you mentioned uh, you want some startups and some uh, newer businesses as well. Uh, professional services. If you're in that world, what's a good uh, way to contact you? So the easiest way is obviously you're just going to be to go look at our website and see if our services would work for you. And that would be www.marshalljones.com. And you can also email me. My email is kristen at marshalljones.com. All of our emails are listed on our website. And you can also just call us at 404-231-2001. And you're based in Atlanta, but you do work in other cities? We are all over the place. Thankfully, because of our outsource accounting firm and because of technology, we can be anywhere. So so they don't have to be Atlanta-based. Companies from all over can contact you. Yes, we have clients right now all the way from, you know, not Canada, but New York uh-huh. all the way to Florida. So we are we can be anywhere and everywhere. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for being part of the show. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Corey. Exciting times for you. You had a great show. Learned a lot. Yeah, I thought we had some uh, outstanding guests and, you know, really want to thank uh, Cheryl Cherico of Tier 3 MD, Becky Snyder of the Mizuno uh, Experience Center, and Kristen Hughes of uh, Marshall Jones. Just another great show, ladies. We really appreciate it this morning. Thank and you. And we couldn't do this show without uh, the sponsorship from Corey Rick and the Long-Term uh, Care Planning Group. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, you could uh, call me at 678-814-5088. The website is www dot the long term care planning group dot com or you can email me at Corey at the long term care planning group dot com. Thanks so much, Lee. And we are looking for um women doing big things in the city. So if you know any women that are doing uh good things in the city of Atlanta, please send them our way. We're looking for guests, right? We certainly are, Lee. We appreciate that too. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We will see you next time on Atlanta Business Radio.